This is Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a two-time national best-selling author and leading business advisor, will cover topics that help business owners operate their businesses more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And we are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Capital Plus. They've removed the hassles of balancing cash flow by becoming your full-service credit in collections department. You can reach them at 855-522-3951. All right, guys, so we have our guest this week is a guy I've known for, I guess, probably a year or so now. Um, interesting character, I'll say, and very, very knowledgeable. And uh, he's going to be able to help us through some different things. He is actually an attorney. He's a partner at Ernstein and Anderson. And uh, I'll just bring him on right now. Nick Anderson, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Glad to be here. So interesting uh, thing I want to start with. So we always start typically the show talking through the first segment, sort of your journey and things like that. So Tell us a little bit about your journey and make sure that you tell everyone what your undergrad degree is in, because I think it's an interesting uh, transition. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, I, 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 I basically, um, I, uh, my dad is an engineer in Ohio. And uh, so when I was a young man, uh, he told me that if I went to a state school and majored in engineering for college, he would pay for it. And um, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, and I always wanted to wear a suit to work. I don't know why. It just got stuck in my head. That's what I wanted to do, uh, which is funny now, and Ken can attest to this, that I, I never wear suits unless I'm in court. Um, it's one of my least right. favorite things to do in the world. Um, but anyway, uh, so I went to Ohio State, and I majored in chemical engineering. Uh, my grandfather was a chemical engineer. And the plan was to be a patent attorney. Uh, and then in my first year of law school at Capitol, I was studying for the patent bar, uh, which you're allowed to take prior to being a lawyer. Um, and I realized that it was going to be a very boring career for me. Uh, I'm a uh, people person. I'm a talker. Uh, and so I started having some reservations about that. And one day, uh, an attorney stumbled into the library, found me sitting there studying alone, asked me if I wanted to try out for the mock trial team. And I said, sure and tried out, and that changed my career, and I became a litigator and uh, basically finished out my third year of law school, went to a small firm in Tip City, which is just north of Dayton, um, and just tried every case I could find. Any criminal, domestic, didn't matter. Anything to get me in a courtroom, anything to get me doing anything like that is what I did. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the beginning part of the career. I mean, that's how I got to where I am. And that brings in your chemical engineering, Ken, which I know you enjoy. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so, so talk about the transition, though. So you were, you were working for a firm in, in Tip City, as you mentioned, and now you're partner at a firm. So, so how, how was that transition? So it was, it was interesting. So, um, I, uh, so I, I graduated from law school in 2004. I worked in Tip City until 2007. Um, and then a partner there introduced me to a partner at a firm in Dublin, uh, in, in Dublin here. And um, he, uh, we went out to dinner, and that firm hired me. And the firm was uh, here, here in Dublin. Sorry, again and again, right? Um, and uh, 
uh, at that firm, I worked there from 07 to 2010, and that's where I met Greg Ehrenstein, uh, my partner now. Uh, and he and I uh, basically built our career, around, uh, built our firm, built our practices at, at the old firm uh, with small businesses. And one of the things that we prided ourselves on was, you know, if a small business owner called and said, hey, um, I need a little extra time to pay the bill, or I need a little work right now, I need help, but I, I can't afford to pay you. Uh, we, we've always had the attitude that we want to be able to help that person and help that company. And you know what? Not worry about it. Any later. I'm happy to help. And our boss at the time decided to change the payment structure for attorneys and decided that we should all be production. So no more salary, only production. And uh, we did not want to do that. Uh, we fought it, fought it, fought it. And uh, so Greg and I one day got called into the office and got fired together. <laughs> uh, for fighting that change. So we started Aronson and Anderson a decade ago, uh, March 8, 2010, um, and built a firm around that philosophy, which is we represent small business owners. We put them first. Uh, we, we often don't charge for initial consults and things like that. We meet in, in very humble conference rooms, not behind a big desk where the client feels afraid to tell the truth. Um, and we've just built a 12 lawyer law firm around that mentality. And uh, it's been, it's been wonderful, Ken, you know, me, we, we, we have a great time doing what we do. I think we do a pretty good job and um, it's just one of my passions. No, I think that it's an interesting transition. And I'll tell you one of the things that uh, at least personally uh, listeners won't get this and think it's nearly as fun as I do, but it just goes to show you how the twists and turns in your career and things don't always end up the way you plan because I can tell you right now, that I, because of course, thankfully, I've never been in court with uh, Nick, but I have never seen Nick in a suit. So for him to say that earlier in his career, he wanted a job where he wore a suit and tie every day is pretty comical to those who, who know him well. And I should mention, so it's, it's interesting. So Nick and I are, are on an advisory board for uh, listeners out there will recognize the name. So Johnny Dawson, who comes on and does our monthly uh, market updates, so Johnny asked me to be on his advisory board. Nick was already on his advisory board. And uh, so that's how, where Nick and I met, like I said, about a year or so ago. And uh, every time we have one of those, we're like, uh, I feel like we're like middle schoolers. You know, we're always like, okay, where are you sitting? Where are you sitting? So <laughs> we always try to sit next to each other at these advisory board meetings and, uh, and all that. But I, I think it's also interesting to hear so often guests uh, talk about some sort of, honestly, some sort of, not necessarily a failure, but some sort of hiccup in their career that started them down the path to where they're at now. Um, and so the interesting part is with, with you and Greg being fired at the same time um, and saying, you know what, screw it, we're going to start our own gig here. I think it's interesting and it's uh, more common than you probably think. Yeah, and it was, it was um, I always tell people, and Greg and I are our best friends. I mean, he's about 10 years older than I am. Um, he worked at Arthur Anderson for a while. He's been an attorney for a long time, and he's a great guy. But that uh, the Friday we got fired, May 5th, 2010, was the worst day of his life and the best day of mine <laughs> when it happened. <laughs> and now looking back, it was the best day of both our lives. We were able to yeah. come together in adversity um, and then build a small business. And I think that's what makes us good at what we do is that you know, when I, when I tell somebody that, you know, here's how you handle an employee issue or here's how you bring on this or here's how you do this, I'm speaking from experience. We've acquired three or four other law firms 
Um, we've hired plenty of employees. We've had to fire employees. We've, you know, we've done everything that they're doing every day. And, and so, you know, I, I try to give my best advice as a lawyer, but also as a, as a human who has employees and who's dealt with exactly what they're doing, worrying about where the next, you know, what happens if the big client doesn't pay? What, what do I do next? You know, but it goes to that whole mentality of uh, the, the, the basic approach is that I want to help a small business at any point in time in their, in their lifetime. You know, so if it's, they're being born and they don't have any money, they're dying and they're running out of money. I want to be able to help them finish, you know, be able to finish that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So again, this week, guys, we're talking with Nick Anderson, who's partner at Aronstein and Anderson. And you can find them, find out more information about what they do at aacolpa.com. That's aacolpa.com. Let's come back after the break. We'll give the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week and continue talking with Nick Anderson. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit checkoffyourlist.com to learn how Check Off Your List skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available. To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right. Welcome back to the show. It is time for the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. And this week's tip has to deal with employees. And uh, too often I see that business owners do not treat their employees as a number one resource. And unless you're a solopreneur, um, that is absolutely – because here's why, and this is, ties into the tip this week. So happier employees – so here's a few facts about that. They take one-tenth of the sick leave. They are six times more energized. Not exactly sure how they measured that, but nonetheless, six times more energized. They stay twice as long, so higher loyal, more loyalty, more retention, and they're two times as productive as unhappy employees. Now, as you can imagine, those things all add up to – you know, if you have more retention, more loyalty, you have let, you're replacing people less, you have less opportunity to make mistakes in hiring. Um, it just, it really is super, super important. And as I like to say all the time, happy employees equal happy customers. Happy customers are loyal customers. Loyal customers equals happy business owner. So, so there's a lot of happiness in there, but it all starts with having happy employees. If you've got grumpy, miserable employees, that is going to be reflected to your customers and your clients. And it will it will not be a good success uh, formula for for long term success. So that is the Mr. Biz Tip of the Week this week. So let's jump back in here with Mr. Nick Anderson. Again, you can find out more on their website, AACOLPA.com, and that's uh Aaronstein and Anderson. So Nick, tell us a little bit more about I know you you're focused primarily, I know you guys do a lot of different things because you have attorneys with different specialties, but um a lot of your work I know centers around small businesses. And uh, so, so tell us some of the different ways that, that you typically help business owners. So I think that our, 
our approach at the firm and, and the approach that Greg and I have have in, engendered into our our attorneys and into our clients is that there there is no such thing as just a business lawyer. Um, and uh, to use an analogy or to use an example, I was on the phone not too long ago with a, a, a business lawyer, and I'm doing air quotes, uh, which you cannot see on the radio. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he was a business lawyer out of Memphis, Tennessee, and we were talking about this very complicated operating agreement, which is a business document that an LLC uses. And um, he was explaining something that was very complex in the document, and I asked him a question uh, that had to do with taxes. And he said, uh, well, Nick, I'm not a tax attorney. I'm a business attorney, so we might have to talk to our tax group about that. And I didn't say anything on the conference call because the client was on the phone as well, but I was very disappointed by that answer because one of our main tenants here at the firm is that you're not one thing. If, if you make a business decision, it has a tax implication, and for small businesses, it's got an estate planning implication. And so those three things, mm -hmm. business, tax, estate planning, you can't make one decision as a small business owner without affecting all three of those things. So if you're going to sit there and tell a client, I can't do this because I don't know the tax ramification or the estate planning ramification, then you have no business advising on it. And so I think that that's what you know, is, is kind of the, the primary focus of the firm, and that's what we try to instill in our associates, and definitely Greg and I are that way. No, it makes sense because, again, I agree with you 100%. And if you are, have an attorney who, who gives you that type of an answer, I mean, you honestly, in my mind, and again, I'm definitely an 80-20 person, but when you're talking about legal matters, you've got to be more than 80-20 in most, in most situations. And if you only have two legs of that stand or that, that stool, that legal stool, so to speak, you're not really making a, a, a well-informed decision. And you could end up making a very bad decision. That might, might, might work well for the two legs of the stool that you have, but that third leg could be catastrophic for you. That's that's correct. I mean, it's uh, you know, if you make a business decision and you don't focus on the tax implications, that can be awful. And then if you build a great business and you worry about the taxes, but you don't fit it into your estate planning, you've got no way to pass it or for your family to profit off of it if you were to die. And I think that, that you know, one of the basic things we try to focus on is making sure that those three legs of the stool. I like that, Ken. I'm going to take it. Um, I think that those three <laughs> things are, are very, very important, and, and that's what we try to focus on here. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. So t tell us, I know as an attorney, and I know you can't really share a lot of details and things, but give us, give us an interesting case or, or, or situation that you've, you've worked in with, a, with an owner, in whether it was a positive or negative outcome, but something, some interesting thing out there. I know attorneys always have uh, some of these in their back pocket. Yeah. Uh, so you warned me about this part of the show earlier, and uh, I've been racking my brain about an appropriate story. Um, I, if you recall, <laughs> I, I, when I started my career, I wanted to do anything to get into a courtroom. So I did a lot of domestic and a lot of criminal work, and I have some very interesting stories that are probably not appropriate for a podcast so, or a radio show. <laughs> um, and so uh, the uh, the couple, I mean, uh, the, the, the one, like, the one situation I think that, that kind of encompasses my career is, is, a, is basically my first trial ever. I was uh, licensed in November of 04. I uh, tried my first case in January of 05. And basically one of the partners at the firm uh, didn't want to try this case, so he had me do it. And it was a Consumer Sales Practices Act case involving an auto body shop and an estate. Uh, and long story short, a uh, guy had died, left his truck at the auto body shop, they began charging, instead of trying to find somebody to pick up the truck, they began charging a storage fee. 
eventually racked the storage fee up to the point where it was the value of the truck and got what's called a salvage title and then sold the truck and tried to get away with that. And um, oh, so we had sued on behalf of the estate. And I tried the case, and I had the auto body shop owner on the stand. And I, I had never tried a case in real life. I tried it in fake court in, in law school. And uh, I was very respectful, and I think that's the way I like to conduct business. And But I, I beat him up pretty good. And um, he eventually admitted that they had no policy on this and, and, and no you know no structure for this, and they, no one was notified. They didn't try to reach out. And, and so we eventually won, got treble damages, attorney's fees, and um, – and so the fun part of the story is about a week later, I got a phone call, and it was that guy. And uh, he said, hey, um, you know, I've got some other issues here. Can you help? And I said, are you, are you sure? I mean, I, really? And he said, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I want, the, I want the best. I like the way you did that. And I still represent that family to this day. And that was oh, really? one. <laughs> yep, I still represent him and his son and his his daughter and their business in, in, in Dayton there. And yeah. And, and so, uh, but I think that, you know, the, the moral of that story is that you just never know who's going to be a client. And so when you're, when you're conducting yourself at any point in time, you always keep an eye on not only making your client look good, because I'm sure my client was proud of the, of the job I did, but at the same time, the court probably, you know, thought it was a well done case. And, and obviously this guy did too. And like I said, I, I talked to him every couple of weeks, um, and, uh, I know it's done very well. And, and so, you know, that's kind of the moral story there is you just never know. Right. And then look, it's the golden rule, right? I mean, you obviously practice the golden rule and, and in this case, and I think in most cases that ends up working out in your favor because while you were representing your client and wanted to make sure you, you won the case and, you know, you got to pull out some of those stops every once in a while, but you, as you mentioned, obviously you must've conducted yourself in a professional manner. Otherwise there's no way he'd have been super ticked at you. Um, and the fact that he, you beat him and he still wanted to hire you just goes to show you. Obviously, you were effective, but yet you were, again, it shows you were professional. Otherwise, he would have been like, okay, I don't want to deal with this guy. This guy's a jerk. If I would have tried to see you on you know, social media or any way that he could because he was so mad that you, you beat him. Right, right. And I know we're running a little low, uh, but you told me to think of two anecdotes. So I have one other one. Um, and this is another one of those, you never know what you're going to get. I'll make it quick. But I have people come in and ask me about buying franchises all the time. And they come in, they sit down, and they tell me about the franchise. And I would say about one in 20 actually buy a franchise. And I had a guy who came in about six or seven years ago, and he wanted to buy a franchise. I won't say what it's in because you might somebody might know him. Um, and I didn't treat him like he was crazy. I reviewed his document, and sure enough, the guy has grown a phenomenal business out of it. And again, it just kind of goes that whole never know what's going to make you money and what's going to help everybody else yeah interesting all right we will get some break we'll come back and we'll get some tips from nick for business owners are you frustrated with trying to grow your business you're not alone because the business growth experts at tritraction are here to help tritraction's proven business systems marketing and sales formula has helped many businesses like yours achieve amazing results could your company benefit from explosive sales growth and a huge jump in website traffic Call 800-719-4281 today for a free consultation with the business growth experts at TriTraction. That's 800-719-4281. Systems plus marketing plus sales equals business growth. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at 
info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate because there are limited spots available. Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right. Welcome back to Mr. Biz Radio. We are brought to you by Capital Plus. They unlock your capital and unleash your business potential. They create customized financial solutions for growing businesses nationwide. You can give them a call. Uh, call Renee and their, and their crew over there. They take uh, wonderful care of all the people we send their way. But 855-522-3951 is their phone number. Um, and they can help you in a variety of different ways with cash flow and different types of financing things that you might have and need in your business. All right. Well, Nick, uh, we're definitely going to put you on a spot in this one. Uh, we want to hear some tips from you. So you've got this experience. You work a lot, uh, prominent, or a big predominance of your businesses with small business owners. So I want to pick your brain a little bit and find out what are some things, what are typical things that you see and you have seen that more business owners maybe uh, don't pay enough attention to a specific aspect of their business from a legal perspective, where where do they fall short that you see often? So I, I, I in anticipation of this question, because uh, you didn't really put me on the spot, you kind of gave me a heads up ahead of time. Oh, I gave away the secret. I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, <laughs> there about there are a couple things that I think a lot of people that uh, that run businesses just kind of need to know. Um, and uh, I I made a list of five, and I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but the first one is kind of funny because you're talking to a lawyer. But number one is hire an accountant. That is the number one tip I have for anyone listening who's running a small business is the trip-ups that I see in the business world, yes, there are plenty of legal ones. There's plenty of legal mistakes that, that people can make. But I think at the end of the day, if you have a solid accountant, a solid bookkeeping system, and you're able to make sure that the taxes are paid for you know, payroll and sales and things like that, you're going to be pretty good to go, and then you can use an attorney as you need to. Um, and I, I, I meet some older business clients, and they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I've never had an attorney. Is that a problem? And I'm like, have you had an accountant? Your tax returns are filed? And they always say, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm like, then your, your money, you know, you're, you're, you're ahead of the game already. And I think that's right. tip number right. one. Make sure your accounting is – make sure you have an accountant. So uh, the other thing that uh, – another uh, tip – um, that is very important is especially if you have a, a business partner uh, or go into business with other people is make sure you have a document in place that governs that relationship. Um, I think that mm-hmm. a, a lot of people do, uh, you know, handshake deals because they feel that they're, you know, going into business with a friend or somebody who's nice or they did this or they did that. And I think that this creates a whole bunch of problems. And I know that there are sites out there like LegalZoom and things like that where you can buy an operating agreement for an LLC for 300 bucks or something like that. And, you know, it's got some simple stuff in it. But at the end of the day, it's going to be missing a lot of core terms that we like to see in an operating agreement. For instance, if you, if you have one business partner and that partner dies, um, what happens? Do you have to buy that deceased partner's shares or stock or units out? Um, are you now the owner? with that person's wife uh, who doesn't work in the business uh, or husband. Um, you know, what are the, what is going on there? What happens if that person goes bankrupt? What happens if they get divorced and the husband goes after those units or the shares? And so I think having a good document in place is really important uh, to make sure that those issues are dealt with ahead of time. And that creates trust 
between you also uh, is important if the worst happens. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Tip, and and tip, I'm, a hand, number, I'm, a, I'm an old school handshake guy myself uh, for the most part, but I agree with you 100%. And I've seen look, two things you mentioned. I've seen it happen in real life, and I'm sure you've got many more examples than that. But I, I had a situation where one of an owner um, was single when they went into the agreement, got married. The new wife hated the business, hated his partner, and all of a sudden he starts turning on his original partner because he's being influenced by his new wife. And so it got really ugly. They did not have an operating agreement. Uh, with, between two of them. I mean, it was just a terrible situation. I had another situation where uh, one of the partners passed away and his wife was trying to basically take over the entire business and ended up, up in court and also because they did not have things properly spelled out in their partnership agreement. So extremely important. And again, you just never know what's going to happen with a, with a friend or even a family member for that matter. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I, actually, the third, the third example I thought of is where Two brothers, two brothers, one of the brothers, six, seven years into running the business together, uh, starts getting into some nefarious activities. Let's just say he was, had a gambling problem and perhaps a drug problem, and he was taking money out of the business to support those two problems. And, I mean, it was just a terrible, terrible situation. The business almost went under, um, just really, really bad. So completely outlines exactly what you're talking about, Nick. Super, super important. And don't think just because it's a family member or a friend that it's always going to be, you know, everything's going to be copacetic all the time. That, that's right. And, and Ken, you know, I, I make a lot more money if you don't have an agreement in place because I get to break it apart later. <laughs> but you don't want that to happen. It's, it's, it's easier to come in. And I, I, like I said, I, I, I see more and more the operating agreement from an online company, something that's created, they found online. And the bottom line is it really worth every dollar to come in, meet with a lawyer, discuss what your options are, because the bottom line is that most people don't know what's not in the agreement. So, hey, the agreement looks solid, but you haven't seen a thousand of them. I've seen a thousand right. of them. So I can tell you, well, this is missing, this is missing, this is missing, this is missing. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I thought our agreement was good. It's like, yeah, but not if that happens, because that's missing. And so I think that's really the key there for, for, you know, when you're talking about hiring lawyers and things like that, that's, you know, getting those documents in place is important. Um, I think tip number three, lock up key employees. So Ohio is one of the most employer-friendly states when it comes to non-competes and non-solicitation clauses. And I think that a lot of smaller employers are afraid when they hire their first employee or their second employee or their first independent contractor that they don't want to restrict them too much. They want them to be able to, they trust them or something like that. And, and the bottom line is that that is the downfall of a lot of small businesses is that you hire the, the guy or gal that's a key person. That person makes a lot of business contacts and then leaves. And when they leave, they either bring their skills and that knowledge to an, uh, a competitor or worse, they compete against you. And I think that there are a lot of options out there to help keep that from happening. But I think that that's, Tip number three is very important. Make sure you lock up those employees. Make sure you have agreements with them so that the expectations are known. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And then, and then uh, tip number four, uh, and this happens in small businesses all the time, don't offer, and again, just a tip, don't offer ownership in your business unless you have to. So I get this all the time. Hey, Nick, I've got this employee. They're great. Uh, I want to offer them a piece of my business. 
And my response is always, do you have to? And the reason it is that <laughs> is because when you start bringing on minority owners, uh, in, uh, minority interest owners, you complicate things. You have a duty, a fiduciary duty to that minority owner. Um, and so basically what you want to avoid doing is if, if you don't have to bring on an owner, you don't have to. Also, there is a tax implication. So if you give them a piece of the company, that's compensation to them, and they might have to, a huge tax bill depending on how big of a piece you just gave them. Uh, and also, mm-hmm. it's harder to get rid of that employee later because now they're an owner. Um, and so I sure. always tell people that, you know, profit sharing plan, um, there's, uh, you know, contractual profit sharing where you just agree that, hey, I'm going to pay you a bonus every year based on what you would have made as an owner. Uh, those are the kind of things we like to see instead of ownership uh, in the company. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those tips is don't offer ownership unless you have to. No, I think it's a great one. And it really ties back into the second one, right? I mean, similar type situation to where you just never know how things are going to play out um, and it could have unintended consequences. Nick, I, unfortunately, we're out of time here. I really appreciate you coming on. Awesome tips. Uh, great hearing from you again. You can find out more on, at uh, Aaron Steiner and Anderson's website, aacolpa.com. Thanks, Nick, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ken, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks to our show sponsor, Capital Plus. Have a great week. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king. This has been Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus, a division of United Capital Funding Group. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They've been providing working capital to businesses nationally for more than 27 years. Learn more about them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz. Or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951.